A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome, everybody. We have got a special episode today. Well, Josh has got a special episode today. He's not told me what it's about yet, so uh, I'm quite eager to hear this. Coming from the horse's mouth straight away. Come on, Josh. I am pumped. We're doing the Loch Ness Monster, the baby. The Loch Ness Monster. Come the on. The Loch Ness Monster. Oh, I knew that was coming. <laughs> the Loch Ness Monster. You're not going to do the whole thing in a Scottish accent, are you? I thought about it. And then I've got a habit of accents blending into other accents. Yeah, because it's just going to end up as a New Zealand accent or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I quite often, for some reason, end up starting in Scottish, and then it either turns Irish or it turns to Newcastle, Geordie. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> yeah, they're so similar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I'm all right at accents if it's like one sentence or something, but we'll find out. So okay. I'm not going to do it all the way through, but you know, I might try you can try and tell some stories in a little, little <laughs> scottish accent like like the way i did the american accents yeah, yeah i can try but if it is terrible we'll we'll delete it and re-record no no keep it going <laughs> just humor me a little bit okay and we'll run with it okay and if it turns into irish or geordie that's fine that's Fair all good enough. right nessie me up mate so the loch ness monster the earliest reports of the, no- the Loch Ness Monster date back to 6th century AD. 6th century? 6th century. Yeah. Flipping heck. I know. I, I know. That's already boggled my mind. I didn't think it was that old. I know it's been around for like over 100 years, but I mean, it's like 1,400 years. Yeah, buddy. So it's been around it's a 1,500 while. 1,500 years. <laughs> and the the best thing about it is there's there's a little story here of where... It, it, it really did originate, and it comes from an Irish monk named Saint Columba. Okay. And he wrote about it. Did he say, just one more thing? 
Is that American? <laughs> yeah, sorry, it's Colombo, wasn't it? <laughs> Do you know when I was actually writing this, to I kept my mind kept saying Columbia, and it's like it's no, it's Saint Columba. Right. It's hard to remember. And he said, "Just one more thing. I saw a monster." <laughs> Well, is it, uh, is it, uh, <laughs> is it yours? <laughs> Shout out to Chloe's dad, Big Mike, because he loves Columbo. He's, oh, he's always watching that when we go around. He, he'd hate my impression. <laughs> yeah, he'll be criticising that. I do Italian-Americans very terribly. <laughs> so St. Columba was staying in the area with friends when they came across residents burying a man by the River Ness. Right. They explained to, well, the... the they explained the man was swimming when he was attacked by a water beast where he was mauled and dragged underwater. That's what the, right. the resident said to the Irish monk. Uh, and they managed to get him out? Yes. So right. they got him out. He's dead. I've got my own theory there because I think they just kind of panicked and was like, oh, it was a monster. But, <laughs> okay. but then Columba sent a friend called, I'm going to butcher this, Luigi Moku Min. <laughs> That's a hard name to say. Luigi Moku Min. Luin. Luin Moku Min. To swim across the river when the water beast approached him. But Columba made the sign of a cross and said, Go no further. Do not touch the man. Go back at once. <laughs> not too bad. The creature stopped as if it was being pulled back by ropes and then fled. Columba and his men believed this was a miracle from God. Well, you would do, wouldn't you? Yeah. So that was the story that's the first appearance and written about by this Irish monk called St. Columba. But I'm, I'm, I'm still calling BS on, on the, the story of the dead body being taken by a water beast because like, if it had been dragged into the water and under and gone, that was it. That's it. That'd be gone. Yeah, yeah. They're, that... they're, I would not be jumping in a river to chase after some bloke who's been dragged off by a water beast. No, you wouldn't, would you? No. But that was my theory. I thought you wouldn't hoik him out of the water and then start burying him on the side of the bank. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought maybe they've just stumbled across a murder and the bloke's like, uh, "It wasn't us. It was a monster." <laughs> and they're like. Oh, well, we can run with this. Why not? <laughs> yeah, might save our skin. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, go for it. So then we skip forward. Was it 1,500 years, you said? 15,000 years? Yeah, yeah, to the 6th <laughs> century, yeah, yeah. And then we fast forward to 1933. And this well, is okay. where Nessie, as we know it, Loch Ness Monster, this is where it started. But yeah, that's more sort of the time frame that I thought it had been discovered. I didn't realise... Fourteen hundred years before that, yeah, I mean, that's that's ridiculous. All the way from sixth so century it, to was this. It a common, you may not know, but was it like a common folklore for that entire fourteen hundred years, or was it just like there was kind of one report of it, and then it kind of fizzled out, and then again in nineteen thirty three, it. Um, I think it was always resurfaced. kind of there, but no one really paid any interest. It just wasn't really a thing. If okay, you know what I mean, it's not like. Uh, Stay away from that loch. There's a monster in there. Yeah. And that's, it. that's all you need to know. Yeah, I think people just kind of treated it as like, oh, it's like an old fable or whatever. Right, okay, it yeah. wasn't really, but it wasn't until 1933 that it started ramping up. And yeah, then, it raised its head again. And yeah. Yeah. So in 1933, the first sighting, Audi McKay 
had a sighting where she described the creature as whale-shaped rolling around in the loch. This was spotted while driving on the A82 on April 15, 1933 with her husband John. She told her story to a journalist named Alex Campbell, who was the first to use the word monster. Oh, OK. And that's the first article in 1933. So then you get... i surprised they didn't call it a beastie. A wee beastie. <laughs> a wee beast. It's a wee beastie in that <laughs> airlock. So I'll read you a quick little quote from the article. Yep. So the creature disported itself, rolling and plunging for f- a full minute, its body resembling that of a whale, and the water cascading and churning like a simmering cauldron. Soon, however, it disappeared in a boiling mass of foam. Both onlookers confessed that there was something uncanny about the whole thing, for they realised that there was no ordinary denizen of the depths. Denizen. (laughs) Because apart from its enormous size, the beast, in taking the final plunge, sent out waves that were big enough to have been caused by a passing steamer. So that is... A quote from the article. But that is the first kind of article in 1933. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then there's other examples of people where over the years it just started ramping up. So you've got George Spicer also in 1933. This was only two months after uh, Aldi McKay had the uh, journalist interview. And George Spicer, remember that name? George Spicer. The story with him is, he, again, he was in his car with his wife and they allegedly saw the beast cross the road. <laughs> okay. And they described it as a dragon. Oh, right. Okay. Um, said it was jet black and big, long neck, flippers, and about eight metres in length. Right. So they described it. Um, yeah, George, that's that microphone. <laughs> every episode. Every week. So remember George Spicer. And then you've got Hugh Gray as well in 1933. Um, he took a picture. Um, we'll probably find it to attach it to the notes. He took a picture that was going around the, the Loch Ness and around the residence, and they all thought, oh, this is kind of genuine. Okay. Unfortunately for Hugh Gray, that got debunked to be an otter. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure I will find a picture. I can can definitely find a picture of an otter. Yeah. (laughs) Here you go, everybody. Here's a picture of an otter. Yeah. (laughs) And then Arthur Grant in 1934, a few months after that. So 1933, 1934. There was a few sightings. There was a few sightings. But I think it all just stems from the first interview. People then started going out and looking for it. Right, yeah, yeah. Going out of their way to go to Loch Ness and the River Ness to try and see this and get photos. Well, as well, this sort of time period was like the golden period where um, newspapers and such didn't necessarily care if their stories were true. Mm -hmm. If it was sensational, they would just run the story just so they could make sales and, you know, sell sell their papers. Yeah. Anybody coming out of the Scotland... Uh, the Highlands saying, oh, I've seen a monster in Loch Ness. Papers would have been all over that. Yes, we can sell that story. Mm-hmm. So, And then, yeah, like you say, more people would have gone looking for it. Yeah. More people would have claimed to have seen it. and Because that's what people do, isn't it? That's you know? exactly what they do. Right. And it got super popular. Now, this guy you would have heard of. So Robert Kenneth Wilson. A London gynaecologist <laughs> took the first picture of the head and neck, 
which was published in the Daily Mail in 1934, April 21st. That's that really famous picture, isn't it? The mm-hmm. one that looks like someone doing front crawl where the arm is coming right out. Well, it's obviously the head of the monster, isn't it? But um, mm-hmm. that's that really famous picture. Yeah, and that's the first one with just the head and neck. Really. Yeah, yeah. I think there's like a fin or something at the front, isn't there? Or some, something that's... Um, yeah, yeah, and it's like black and grey. Yeah, 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 well, yeah. I keep saying black and grey, black and white. Um, so... Black and grey is more accurate, but yeah. It is, isn't it? I've always <laughs> yeah. thought that. There's not really any white in it. So, but this is interesting. So Wilson's refusal to have his name attached to the photo led to it being known as the surgeon's photograph. Right, So that's okay. the famous picture. So... I didn't know it was called that i did know it was taken by some kind of doctor mm-hmm. uh, that's pretty much all, all i really know about his story i know that he went there like two days in a row and uh, on, i think it was the second day he took the photo and it was yeah obviously a very mm-hmm. sensational photo but that's all i really know about him yeah there's not much else to know really uh, <laughs> this apart from the surgeon's photograph was actually considered evidence of the loch ness monster for over 60 years. Oh, yeah, many, many, many years, yeah. And sceptics tried to dismiss it as driftwood, elephants, otters, <laughs> birds. There's an elephant in that there, Loch. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that carried on for over 60 years until 1994. The photo was called an elaborate hoax. It was debunked. It was debunked. Now, this is where conspiracy theory comes out this is this is very interesting okay so it turned out to be a toy submarine built by christian sperling who was the son-in-law to marmaduke weatherall who had been previously ridiculed by the daily mail after he found nessie footprints which also turned out to be a hoax so before you say anything before you listen to this right so they all worked together to get their own back on the Daily Mail, so they bought the submarine from Woolworths and made the head and neck out of wood putty. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. Which is kind of cool in a way. I, 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 I confess, I did know that it was a fake photo. I know mm-hmm. that he'd already come forward uh, and, and said it was a hoax, but I didn't realise it, it was kind of a revenge tactic yeah. to get back at the Daily Mail. That is interesting, that's cool. Yeah, so that guy Marmaduke Weatherall found these footprints and went to the Daily Mail and then everybody ridiculed him and stuff. So then this guy, son-in-law, they kind of, the family, there was a few other people yeah, involved, yeah. all teamed up and thought, we're going to get the Daily Mail. So, I mean, they kind of done it yeah. for 60 years. Yeah, 60 years they managed to keep it a secret. Well, not a secret, managed to keep the hoax going as though, you know, mm-hmm. it was a genuine photo. But that is probably the most famous well, photo of... Oh, definitely. You know what I mean? People would have seen it. And yeah, like that, that. that is the photo of the Loch Ness Monster, really, isn't mm-hmm. it? So then, we've got other bits of evidence here. So we've got sonar readings in 1954. On the fishing boat Rival 3, a large object was keeping pace with the vessel at a depth of 146 metres, or 100, uh, 479 feet. It was detected for 800 metres before contact was lost. Kind of interesting there. So something was keeping up with the boat under the water. Under the water as they went down the... the, And there's a lot of water Mm -hmm. in Loch Ness. Now, I've heard it said before now that Loch Ness is so big, so deep, Mm -hmm. that 
it could hold the entire human population. Wow. Okay. I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> I should have looked that up. <laughs> Literally, yeah. I mean, nearly 8 billion people could actually fill Loch Ness. That's very deep. Yeah. Oh, man, there could be more than I think one it's, it's, monster. It is a massive lake, you know. I've, I've been there and seen it, and it is, it is a massive place. Oh, I'm actually hoping to go there for Chloe's birthday in August. We want to go to Scotland. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, I hope you so, do. Scotland, we're coming in you. Oh, my God, so, you can't say that. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm as, leaving it in. As I said, leaving it as in. I said uh, <laughs> you know what I mean, though. Oh, how embarrassing. Coming to uh, you would have been better. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't know why I said it like that. Apologies, everyone. PG. Um, so, um, but that sonar reading in 1954, it never got debunked or anything. It's still to this day, they don't know what it was that was following... Oh really? Okay. Keeping up with the vessel. Fair, I I remember watching a, a, a I don't oh, no, I don't know whether to say it because you might cover it later oh. on. But there was more sonar that I remember watching on a TV series in the nineties. Mm-hmm. I think. Well, I'll let you cover that then. So that's actually coming up fairly soon. <coughs> we'll get there. <laughs> Already. So the Weekly Scotsman. I love that. The Weekly Scotsman in 1958 published a photo taken by Peter McNabb. In 1955, so he, he took the picture in 55, but they didn't publish it till 58. Okay. Rumoured to be three trawlers travelling closely together up the lock. Mm-hmm. So that basically got debunked. So that was just another photo. This, this I'm just kind of just going through some evidence that yeah, was yeah. quite held up back in the day, but it kind there, of There's going to be lots of it, isn't there? It got debunked over the years. So the Holmes video, this one's interesting because this fast forwards to 2007. Right. So basically b- between like 1958 and the early 2000s, you kind of had the evidence that was there and then there wasn't really any new photos or anything like that. People tried, but it just well, there wasn't. Ted Danson went and found the Loch Ness Monster <laughs> in the 90s. I've seen the film to prove it. Yeah, was he the guy from Cheers? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he did a film called Loch Ness. <laughs> Welcome to the Loch, where everybody knows your name. <laughs> <laughs> that was a terrible Scottish accent. <laughs> I do apologise. I've got a Scottish family, and they currently live in Scotland. And they're probably shaking their heads like, "Why? Why are you doing it?" So the Holmes video. This got a little bit of fame. So Gordon Holmes videotaped what he called a jet black thing, about 14 metres long, moving fast in the water. BBC Scotland reported on it, news channels, and they all suggested it could have been a seal. There's no confirmation there. In 2007? Yeah. I think I remember seeing that footage. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it kind of, all you can really see is, like, the bow wave at the front. Mm-hmm. And like the rippling water, and you, yeah, there's some kind of black object at the at the spearhead at that at that bow wave, but there's no way you can sort of confirm that it is a monster, or I don't know how the hell they uh, said it was a seal. <laughs> yeah. um, well, that's what they kind of came to the conclusion of: is it was a seal. I mean, it's still debated to this day of whether I can imagine that it probably is yeah, yeah. It, like you said 14 metres yeah that's kind of how far the water was rippling yeah 
I mean, seals are pretty streamlined. You wouldn't imagine that a seal would make a 14-metre bow wave, would you? No, have, no. It have to be so. fair, fairly bigger than that. Yeah, so that one's still up in the air. But yeah. it's believed to be a seal and a hoax and everything. But well, I wouldn't put it as a hoax, just a, maybe a mistaken mm. video, you know? Yeah, I suppose when they claim it is something and it's not that thing, then that is technically a hoax. But, I mean, if you take a picture of what you believe is the Loch Ness Monster and it yeah. turns out to be a seal, you're not hoaxing, you've just made a mistake. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. If you've gone out to yeah. intentionally deceive people, yeah, that's that's a hoax. Mm. But, you know, you just take a bit of video for it, and you go, oh, I think I've got a lot next monster there. Nah, it's a seal. Oh, yeah. my bad. But that's what actually what I love about this subject, is a lot of the evidence and things is not necessarily a hoax, but like you said, where... There's so many different things where people have said it could be a seal, could be a catfish, could be this, could be that. Yeah. And it, it, it goes up and down. Like, some of it gets debunked and then others are just left. So, like, oh, yeah. we actually don't know what it is. There's no science. Yeah, what, what do you think sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's very up and down, which is why I love it. Because it's, you know, you read one thing and it's, you're convinced, you're like, oh, it's all fake. And then you read something else and you're like, well, there's mystery. Mm. They, even scientists don't know. So... Like you said, here we go. We're going to the other sonar. Oh, this is the sonar, yeah. I remember watching this one on the TV, so I'll let you talk, talk us through it. 24th of August, 2011. Captain Marcus Atkinson. And I love the fact when people have captain in front of their name. It makes them sound so much more important. <laughs> Authoritative, isn't yeah, it? Like yeah, like if someone's like, oh, we've got a policeman here to help you, I'd be like, oh, all right, nice one. If someone's like, we've got a captain, I'd be like, yes, that's the guy that's I want. That's what I want, yeah. <laughs> so Captain Marcus Atkinson photographed a sonar image of a 1.5-metre-wide object that followed his boat for two minutes at a depth of 75 feet. Yeah. There you go. Now, I think... I, there was rumours of it being possibly like a flipper. I think that was the that, uh, that's the kind of only thing I could see Mate, associated with that. I remember watching this, uh, possibly this particular case on TV. Mm-hmm. The sonar imaging, I mean, it's not great. Uh, it shows the level where the boat's at, at the top of the image. It shows the bottom of the lake... And then all you can really see is a blocky line about halfway down. Mm-hmm. And as as the boat's going across the lake, the blocky line's there as well. And sometimes it disappears, sometimes it comes back, sometimes it looks a bit thinner, and sometimes a little bit thinner. And, and then it suddenly starts going down. It's sinking towards the bottom of the lake. And yeah. it, it, it alters its, its height. Uh, is that the right word? Yeah. <laughs> Underwater? I guess so. Um, and, and, yeah, it's still tracking his boat, and then it just completely disappeared. Yeah. Gone. Well, and that, um, that's that's how I remember it happening. Anyway, and they weren't sure what it was on the TV program that I was watching at the time. They they said there's something there. It could be a shoal of fish. It could be anything. But there's something that's picking it up, and it is literally like you say, following the boat across, and then it it dives to a different depth. Yeah. Depth, not height. Depth. <laughs> depth. <laughs> and, uh, and and yeah, it sort of continued, and then just literally disappeared from their instruments. Well, wonder no more, pirate, because a year later, in April 2012, National Oceanography Centre said that the image was a bloom of algae and zooplankton. Right. 
So they did kind of debunk that one. I mean, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. It looked a lot more exciting on the TV. It did, yeah. I've seen the image. I know the one you mean, and it does actually look pretty cool. It actually does look like a flipper and stuff like that. But, yeah, unfortunately, it's uh, algae and zooplankton. Oh, well. But, so... <laughs> um, now, that brings us up to kind of 2011. That's like present day. Yeah. So I'm going to kind of go back on some of the evidence that I've already oh, we're going back there. over these things kind kind of in a way it was just kind of like some footnotes that I've taken of like t- little tidbits and stuff so okay in 1934 on 13th of July from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. for 5 weeks 20 men positioned themselves around the lock with binoculars and cameras 21 photos were taken none conclusive National history concluded it was possibly a grey seal. Another seal. Another seal. So they did actually, obviously, 20 men, all all armed with a camera, and they took 21 photos. Yep. But none of them were conclusive. But they they just say... Was that 21 successful photos of the monster? Yeah, so the whole time they were there for five weeks... Only 21 of them photos captured something. Captured something, but yeah. they weren't sure what, and they're putting it down to a seal. Yeah, because they're obviously not just going to stand there just taking several photos of nothing. So whenever something popped up or right, yeah, appeared yeah. or the ripple in the, in the water, that's when they took pictures. Only 21 of them were clear, and they just put it down to a grey seal. Fair but enough. Again, okay. they, possibly. They're not too sure. Possibly. They just say that the only explanation is that's ah, a grey seal. I'm so sure it was a grey seal and not a navy seal, you know, doing the old front crawl so the arm <laughs> comes up in the air, makes it look a bit more like a Oh yeah, that would be Loch Ness monster. That'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? <laughs> so uh there was also uh the Loch Ness Phenomenon Investigation Bureau, which opened up between nineteen sixty two and nineteen seventy two. I'm amazed that's even a thing. It was a thing for ten years. They didn't really find much, no. so they closed down after 10 years. No. Well, Like I said, these are just little tidbits that I found really interesting. Yeah, well, that's the, I mean, I guess in some ways, like all my life with the Loch Ness Monster, I've heard that there's underwater caverns that can lead to other locks and out to sea and stuff, and that's why the explanation has been there that um, the Loch Ness Monster... Sometimes there's evidence for it, and sometimes it just looks like an empty lake, you know, even with the sonar. Oh, that'd be cool. So it could be. I mean, even in that film, I know this is fiction, but the Ted Danson film, um, Loch Ness Monster, I think he went underwater and found, like, an entrance to a cave or something, and that's where he actually came face-to-face with the Loch Ness Monster. Well, I think it is genuinely believed that there are like underwater tunnels and stuff that lead in and out of the lo- I mean, the River Ness leads out of the lock as well. Um, yeah. It's quite a big river. Yeah. And it, so well, there are ways for it to sort of get about and get in and out of there. And if the lock is as big as you say and as deep as you say, adding those caves and stuff is just even bigger. Yeah. Who knows? Anything can come in there. All the Could seals. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if this is really worth mentioning, but Operation Deep Scan in 1987, they had 24 boats with equipment of echo sound. Yeah. But again, they didn't really pick anything up. No, that, that they lined them all up across the lock, mm. didn't they? And sort yeah. of, yeah, went as, 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 as a line of boats going up there so that nothing could slip past. Oh, sorry, that's my fault on the microphone. <laughs> 
nothing could slip around the side of them mm-hmm. and escape. So they lined them all up side by side and went up the lock, and then they just said, no, there's nothing there. Yeah. But that, that's what I was saying earlier. It's really weird how between, like, 1960 and early 2000s, they didn't really produce any new evidence, and that was 1987. So mm. that was right in the middle. And, it, again, they just didn't really get anything there. So... We're almost... I'm going to actually save that bit to the end. Okay. Don't look at that bit. <laughs> now, obviously, I was going to play a game with you of Nessie or not, but it's just... It's an otter. It's a seal. <laughs> exactly. It's a grey seal. It's <laughs> a navy seal. <laughs> That's what it would have ended up being. So I was like, I'm not going to play that game. I was like, oh. It's a drunk Scotsman. <laughs> <laughs> what do you reckon, pirate? Could it have been a shark? <laughs> no, there's no point. Uh, drunk Scotsman <laughs> doing the front crawl. <laughs> Singing cheers, oh, everyone knows my name. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <laughs> the, the one that I always knew growing up that I always thought the Loch Ness Monster was, was a plethiosaur. A plesiosaur. Plethiosaur. Ple- plethiosaur. Yeah. It's yeah. Spelled P-L-E-S-I-O-saur. <laughs> yeah. Looks like a brontosaurus, but with fins rather than legs. Yeah. That's yeah, the one. The one. And there was a big conspiracy that I always believed this growing up, that it was just frozen in ice at the bottom of Loch Ness. <laughs> and millions of years have gone past, and then it defrosted and was alive. At the bottom of a lake. <laughs> at the bottom of right, a lake. Right, okay. Yeah, so a plethiosaur is a long-necked aquatic reptile that became extinct during the Cretaceous... Cretaceous period, yeah. Pa- Paleogene extinction event. Nailed it. <laughs> nice. But that was always the conspiracy that I knew growing up and some other people might have heard. Uh, that's but. 65 million years ago. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, when you're a kid, you just think dinosaurs. Everyone's into dinosaurs been still. frozen for 65 million years. Suddenly, 500 AD, it mm-hmm. thaws out and starts wreaking havoc across the loch. Yeah. Basically, but obviously it's... Sounds, sounds legit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, do you remember, the name I said to remember was George Spicer. Spicer, yes, it was. Now, he comes into it because we're going to go over a quick history of the name of the Loch Ness Monster, the origin of the name. Okay. But so, I, what, the Loch Ness Monster yeah. is fairly self-explanatory, isn't it? Or do you mean Nessie? No, I'll come to Nessie. Oh, okay. You get out of my head. <laughs> Sorry. You do this every podcast. You're always one step ahead of me. Even when I do the research and you don't do the research, you always manage to stay one step ahead of me. And I'm sick of it, Pirate. I'm so, sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> so no, it's, it just shows how I'll, I'll go back to how, being in a band. <laughs> it just shows how in tune you are with like things going on and stuff. It's quite remarkable, to be fair, but. I'll get to that bit. with So at the moment, the Loch Ness Monster. Now, George Spicer, who wrote the article, he was the guy who thought it was a dragon crossed out in, into the road in front of him and his wife in a car. That oh. was the guy. Well, is this the article in the Daily Mail, did you say? No, that was that was a different article. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, that this, was Daily Mail they were getting at, back at for, with the photo, weren't they? Yes. Yeah, but sorry. This guy was just one of many names who just went to journalists, and they just done several articles. Between 33 and 34, Okay, they just done so many different articles, and his name was just mentioned as a guy that done the article. Okay. But yeah. for some reason, his article stuck with people. I don't know if it was presented or worded in a way to other articles, but people stuck with it. 
and they really enjoyed the article about George Spicer and his sighting of Nessie. So the name actually comes from people writing in of their sightings, their stories, writing into the newspaper, into the Daily Mail, into other newspapers. And the the general population uh, and the residents and all these people writing in actually just, they started just calling it the Loch Ness Monster. So it it just fabricated. Was it like the headline, the Loch Ness Monster found in a lake around Inverness? Yeah, kind yeah. of, yeah, yeah. So it was literally just the people kind of chose the name for the last Right, Monster. okay. And it didn't actually become Nessie until 1940. Oh, right, okay. So a few years later, yeah. and when I looked at the research of it, it most of the, the research told me that the reason it changed to Nessie, and as we know the nickname Nessie, yeah was because the residents and the local people in Scotland wanted to kind of attract tourism and things, like that, but they didn't want it to be this big, scary thing. They wanted it to include oh, okay, yeah. all so ages and generations. The name slipped to something that was a little bit more homely, a little bit more welcoming, yeah. rather than the Loch Ness Monster. Yeah. Fear me, fear me. No, I'm Nessie. Exactly. <laughs> so... I mean, still to this day, I don't really know if Nessie has been established as male or female, but Nessie, to me, sounds more female. Well, in in my opinion, if Nessie is real, Mm -hmm. the Loch Ness Monster is real, there would have to be a population of it. It can't just be one monster that's been alive for 1,500 years, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, even turtles don't live that long. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so there's got to be more than one of them, and they've got to be like a breeding family or, you know, some kind of population there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's got to be both, and it? Male and female. There's got to be a male and yeah. a female. Yeah, that's very true. A bit like the whole Although Nessie thing. does sound more feminine. It does, it? Yeah. yeah. But that's pretty much why it turned to Nessie. They just wanted to make it more lovable and include all age ranges and not make it as scary for kids. And yeah. like, oh, Come on down to the lock, and that was a terrible. <laughs> I'm not doing it again. So, um, so that was it. That was Nessie. Now, a quick side note: you actually mentioned this to me. So Nessie actually is a protected species as of 2001 under the Scottish protection laws. Yeah, yeah, which I thought pretty cool. Now, it is, it is, that is cool because, like, like I say, if if the Loch Ness monster is real. As I said, they would have to be a population, but that would be a very small population, which would make it an endangered species. Mm-hmm. So it's right for them to give it protection if it is real. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, I read as well that Nessie is technically a Scottish resident as well. Yeah. They made it a Scottish resident. Yeah. So it was like, you can never take on Nessie. <laughs> it lives there. So I thought that was quite cool. Now... I'm about to blow your mind. Go for it. I'm about to blow your socks off, mate. Go on. Tell me something I don't know about Nessie. Now, I don't think a lot of people are going to know this. Oh. I I think I've cracked it. I am actually genuinely intrigued now. I've cracked the case of Nessie, mate. I can tell you exactly what Nessie is. Well, for legal reasons, allegedly what Nessie is. (laughs) It's folklore. It is folklore. But... (laughs) Let me take you to 2018, my friend. Ooh, not long ago. They done a DNA survey. 
they tested the waters. They tested the plankton. They tested the algae. They tested the land surrounding the lock. They done DNA testing all over that place. If it was a crime scene, mate, they covered it. They okay. done it. It was revealed there was no shark DNA. There was no large fish DNA. Was there plesiosaur DNA? There was no plesiosaur DNA. There was no seal DNA. No seals? No. But what they did find, my friend, was a lot of eel DNA. Eels. Well, ah, yeah, okay. Now, listen to this bad boy. This little tidbit of information, my friend. I researched this because I thought, an eel? You're telling me Nessie is an eel? Listen to this, my friend. I think this is a good... This This is a good plausible possibility. This is a very good theory. Now, I researched the lifespan of eels. An American eel only lives between 5 and 20 years. Right. But European eels in a smaller location or like a, what do you call it, like an environment, an enclosed environment, environment, can live up to over 80 years. Think about that. These sightings in 1933, and they've been going for the last 60, 70, 80 years, an eel would still be alive. Now, And there would be a population of them. A population. They're very rarely sighted, usually around thunderstorms. Mm -hmm. Now, this is even crazier as well. When they spoke to a DNA expert, scientist type person, and they proposed... (laughs) The theory of an eel, a lot of people would say, well, eels don't get that big. Oh, they can. They can, my friend. And the, he said it is not, well, it is possible for eels to grow in extreme size due to the environment that they're in. Like that theory of a goldfish in a bowl. Do you know what I mean? Do you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. Like grow yeah, yeah. to the size. Oh. So it is possible that the eel is. The Loch Ness Monster. Yeah, yeah. And uh, also, um, I can't remember the name of the eel or fish or, or whatever. There is a, a type of sort of eely looking fish or eel that lives very deep in the oceans. Now, mm-hmm. in deep in the oceans, you get this thing called ocean gigantism, which we, we're, not, we're not entirely sure um, how it works. But the deeper you go in the oceans, things grow bigger than they sort of should do. Also in Arctic environments, very cold environments, you get this gigantism happening. Mm -hmm. Now you can imagine that one of the, some of these eels literally literally do grow as long as 20 metres, like people have described. There's even photos of people, like a line of men holding Mm -hmm. an eel that's like across going across 20 of them or or 10 of them or something like that. You know, the thing's like 14 metres long. And something like that if we were to go back to the theory of the underwater caverns mm-hmm. leading out to the ocean and to other rivers and estuaries, it's quite plausible that some deep water eel from out in the ocean find a nice home in the cold waters of a Scottish lock yep. coming through a, a subterranean channel. Yeah. And when you think about the shape of an eel, it can create humps yeah. on the back, Yeah, long neck, Small the, the, these large eels and stuff were, were reported as sea monsters 
back yeah. in the Middle Ages, you know, back in the times of pirates and, and, and nautical sailors would come back with these um, stories of sea monsters, and quite often it was just, yeah, gigantic fish and eels that had, uh, had yeah. spooked them. So that is my theory, is I think the Loch Ness Monster, or Nessie, is a giant eel. That has lived for over 80 years. Well, I think it's more likely to be a population of eels. Yeah. And like I say, yeah, because um, uh, when I used to go fishing with a friend of mine, he was quite interested in having a go at eel fishing. And he said, after a thunderstorm, you're more likely to see them. They're, you know, they're, mm. they're, they'll come sort of closer to the surface and stuff. Eels are very elusive normally. Yeah, yeah. Um but, yeah, at times when there are meteorological changes going on in the atmosphere, the eels will surface. And so that maybe is why it's such a rare thing that it's sighted. A bit like worms when it rains. Yeah, yeah, kind of <laughs> like that, yeah. Come up to the surface. Yeah. So, But that that is what I've got on the Loch Ness Monster. So it might be an eel, it might be a seal. Who knows? It's not a seal because <laughs> there's no DNA, is there? I know, but I'd like to leave a bit of mystery. Well, we're going to have to put this to the paranormality rating. Mm. Now, giving it an identity like an eel, for me, that doesn't necessarily reduce its paranormality rating because it's got to be something, doesn't it? All right, and mm. I don't think a sixty-five million year old plesiosaur is feasible. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, I know that 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 is the classic image, and you know, the fake photo that the surgeon took and stuff looks like a plesiosaur, mm-hmm. but it was a hoax image. And when people see the Loch Ness Monster or you see video footage of it, it's normally just something breaking the surface, not making humps yeah, or sticking, rearing its head out of the water and stuff. It's usually just just on the surface, swimming about, making a few waves and ripples and stuff. So as, as an eel explanation, that would, that's a really good one. Yeah. And it does... It does, for me, give you that feeling that, yeah, there is a Nessie, there is a Loch Ness mm-hmm. Monster. All right, it may not be what everybody hopes or thinks it is. Yeah. But, you That's know... That's a really good point, man. I actually agree with you there. You know what I mean? It doesn't It doesn't debunk it enough for me to go, oh, what a load of rubbish. It, like you just said, it's like, oh, that's it cool. It kind of adds yeah. to it. So there is actually something that is has been there for all these years. And yeah, and, and if it grew to a, a sufficient size... Yeah. And you were walking around in 580, or even 1933, and you saw some 20-metre eel swimming alongside you as you were driving mm. your car around the shores of Loch Ness, you would yeah. think, bloody hell, it's a monster. Yeah, and it, it also goes in with what George Spicer said, where he thought it was a dragon. Eels and dragons kind yeah. of same body type. and Definitely the face shape, the head shape of, of eels, like moray eels and stuff. They look very dragon-like. Yeah. So... Yeah, so what are you giving it then, mate? What are you thinking? Oh, I, I'd, I'd, I'd like to give it about a 7.5. 7.5? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think I mean, that's fair. Even if you were disheartened by it being an eel, the myth of the Loch Ness Monster has been around for so long, even so much longer than I even thought. Yeah, yeah. As you say, 6th century. I mean, that's, that's, that's a legend that's been going for a long time. Yeah. And for there to be some kind of scientific evidence to actually point us in a direction at what it could actually be, mm-hmm. that's great. 
Yeah. That's brilliant as far as I'm concerned, you know. It doesn't have to be a mythical creature. It doesn't have to be a legless unicorn or, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going about 7.5. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think because it's it's such history and it's a, it's a legend, everybody knows about the Loch Ness Monster. Oh, absolutely. You've got to give it respect. So even though a lot of the evidence was kind of debunked or some of it was a hoax, but, you know, we bring it full circle to the fact that there is science and there could be any... I'm going to go. Say, You're going to go 8.2. You know what? I was going to give it a solid 8, but I will give it an 8.2 because I thoroughly <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed researching this and it yeah. made me love the Loch Ness Monster and Nessie even more to the point where I used to have Bigfoot as my top kind of mythical beast, right. legend, folklore. Nessie has overtaken Bigfoot. I love Nessie now. So I'm going to give it, you know what? 8.4. Oh. I said it. 8.4. So now you can work out that out. Uh, 7.95. There you go. <laughs> That'll do. 7.95. I'm there happy you with go. That. So yeah, that is Nessie, mate. <laughs> In fact, I'm going to 7.6 and we'll round it at 8. Yeah. Yeah. I think Nessie deserves it. I'm happy with that. That's cool. <laughs> Yeah, well done, mate. That's that was very interesting, to be honest. Even you know, I, I I'm in awe of that. That is that was a really good, well researched episode, and yeah. I love the way that you've actually pulled it together at the end and actually come up with a plausible explanation for what Nessie yeah. could be, and it doesn't ruin the legend. Yeah, yeah, and we also didn't ruin it by doing it all in a Scottish accent. No, we probably did overdo the Scottish accent. I issue a formal apology to Scotland for trying to do your accent and failing. (laughs) I am not going to apologise because I have Scottish roots and Scottish family and it's funny. Why not? (laughs) Give it a go. It's not offensive to do accents. I've never understood that. No, no, not really. So there we go, mate. Right, well, thank you for joining us, everybody. Um, we'll be back next week with another exciting episode. If you've got your own stories about Nessie, please feel free to write to us at paranormality.uk at gmail.com or leave a comment in the comment section on YouTube or wherever you can leave a comment section. We always uh, like to hear your feedback and we love more reviews and and that sort of thing. And uh, hopefully we'll see you right back here next week. Until then, I've been Pirate. I'm Josh. And this has been Paranormality UK. Ta-ta. Ta-ta.